everybody, Off The Key Tano here, internet's busiest music podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and today I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Garrett. It's black country out there. And James. Hello. Today we'll be talking about the debut studio album from Cambridgeshire UK post-rock band, Black Country New Road, for the first time. I would call them part of this new wave of British rock bands that have a lot of talk singing vocals. Bands like Squid, Black Midi, Fontaine's DC. A lot of them all kind of follow the same structural style of post-rock with a new like indie kid twist. Those damn British. They're always trying to come up with a new British invasion. They've already had two. Maybe they'll have a third. Not with this. <laughs> oh, come on. It's not. It's just yeah, not. Yeah, not with this. It's just not. I wouldn't call this album like revolutionary or anything, no. but I think it's really good. Yeah. Black Country New Road is actually formally known as Nervous Conditions. Uh, they had a total of eight members. That's um, very accurate in the context of how the songs make like all the tension. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. But they had two other members, Connor Brown and Johnny Pike. They had formed in 2015 and had a fully recorded album ready to release in 2017. But the project was trashed due to a lot of sexual abuse allegations against Connor Brown. Those, those are absurdly British names. Johnny Pike. Connor Brown. Uh, but yeah, they eventually split in 2018, and the remaining members, minus Pike and Brown, formed as Black Country New Road. The current members are Tyler Hyde, Lewis Evans, Georgia Ellery, May Kershaw, Charlie Wayne, Luke Mark, and formerly Isaac Wood, who left the band in 2022, shortly after the release of their sophomore album, Ants From Up There. British names are as bland as their food. <laughs> Dang, he coming from... Coming for the Brits' throats, man. I'm sorry, guys. I just I love making fun of British people, and they love making fun of Americans. Yes, they do. (laughs) I can drive to school one day without getting shot. (laughs) (laughs) At least we have free healthcare. (laughs) I was uh, (laughs) was actually watching a pyrocynical video the other day, and he literally made like those exact two jokes (laughs) in the video. (laughs) Exactly. Shout out Pyrocynical. I didn't like his older stuff, but I really like his long form like critique content. That shit's really fun. But anyway, they actually collaborate very frequently with the uh, British post-punk band who's also a part of that kind of same wave, Black Midi. They even go under the Black Midi New Road moniker when they perform together. They've even mentioned doing a collaborative project in the future. God, I hope they do. That would actually be interesting. I would actually be very excited to listen to that. I would go see that tour. I hope they tour together. Yeah, that would, that would be, be fun. fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, James and I actually saw Black Mini live back in what October? Yeah, it was October. Oh man, that was a blast! Yeah, incredibly fun show. Highly recommend going to see them live. Yeah, yeah, they were. They didn't have a uh, opening act, so they were their own opening act. Yeah, and they, they played. Uh, they played "Born to Run" by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Highly recommend seeing them live. Great live band. Oh, excellent live band, and their studio albums are just as good. If you really want the full, like, black mini experience, go see them live. That is one of those bands that I I will tell everyone to go see live at least once. With that being said, so For the First Time is actually their debut studio album released on February 5th, 2021 via Ninja Tune. It's an indie record label based in London founded by Matt Black of the electronic duo Cold Cut. The band had actually released two debut singles uh, titled Sunglasses and Athens, France which are on this track list, but they were released initially in 2019 and they decided to rework and rewrite some of the parts on both of those songs. 
the singles had actually gathered a lot of buzz in the London underground scene and led to a lot of hype surrounding this release. Black Country New Road is a very large band, and I want to make sure I highlight the personnel. So first off, we have Isaac Wood. He is the lead vocalist and lead guitarist. We have Luke Mark on the rhythm guitar, Mae Kershaw on the keyboards, Georgia Ellery on the violin, Lewis Evans on saxophone, Tyler Hyde on bass, and Charlie Wayne on drums. So let's get right into the opening. Instrumental. My favorite track on the album. Because Isaac isn't a part. Isaac isn't in it. We'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Now, instrumental, it really feels like a proper introduction to the band and everyone associated with it. It's a pretty good instrumental, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the the opening key melody stays for the entire song, Mm -hmm. and it will stick in your head for the rest of time. Also, like the accompanying, like the saxophone and violin. Mm -hmm. Yep. Each member is slowly being introduced gradually, and they're all bringing in these really infectious and earwormy melodies. And I think that's so cool. It makes for a really cool track. There's like this anticipation and this tension that keeps building, but it's not like an uncomfortable tension. For me, it was like, where does the track go next? Yes, exactly. And the way it builds tension is by adding layers. You have a bass line that adds another instrument and then another instrument. And then like some instruments will change what they're doing. The dynamics of this is excellent. And a lot of these songs in general are very good examples of a kind of slow burn. It's very effective at building tension. Like sunglasses, which is just like a nine minute long ramp. The best way I can describe their music, if I had to visualize it, a steady incline with a steep drop off. A high peak. High, very high peak. Very high peak and then a steep drop off. Um, which is honestly probably the hallmark of a lot of post-rock in general. Room to breathe, a lot of buildup, a lot of tension, layers being added on and taken out and added on and taken out and building up and building up to this ultimate climax. And that's kind of the structure of this entire album. And instrumental is almost like the preface to that. Fantastic introduction. This one doesn't quite elevate the way the latter ones do but it's a nice i really like that just you know everyone gets a little par everyone's being introduced there's always that constant very math rock like riff that is constantly repeating that underlies everything else and that gives it a lot of structure and i really like that this track also grew on me when you showed it to me the first time i was kind of indifferent about it but i really liked it the second time and yeah onward it's it's got a lot of layers and detail and i really appreciate it for that so we were, okay, all right. So we were talking about this uh, prior to the recording, and James and Garrett were not so hot on the vocalist, Isaac Woods. And I can understand why. I mean, he's got this really, like, melodramatic, almost bratty, like, British indie kid overtone. I feel it adds a level of, like, irony. I feel like Isaac is poking fun at people like him and people that grew up in that upper middle class, posh British lifestyle who've never actually gone through anything. I think he really fits on this album and that does really fit. My dislike for him is a lot different than James's dislike for him. My dislike for him comes from the fact that I think his complete change up, also just the production of the album is like completely ruins their second album. Like I am not 
favorable to their second album. I don't think it's good. I don't like it. I think a lot of that irony is dropped for a more even-killed approach. He really works within his limitations by being, you know, kind of kind of make fun of himself. I think it works, but he does not bring that to the table at all in their second album. That's why I kind of dig on him for that. But as for this album, I think it mostly works. I mean, I think he's the weakest member, but that's also just because... I think everyone really does a really good job on this album. And they bring him up. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's not to say, I mean, I think Isaac Woods is a great songwriter. I mean, Athens, France, it sees Isaac Woods reflecting on his past mistakes in a previous relationship, as well as, you know, the failings of nervous conditions as a band. He he kind of feels like he's learned nothing and, and keeps repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. I'm not knocking on a songwriting to me, it just comes across as pretentious and annoying. Like, I, I get the ironic thing, and it just doesn't connect with me very well. I don't enjoy the sound of it. I, I kind of understand. It's almost kind of like if you don't like somebody, sometimes you can you, you don't like that person or that characteristic or thing so much. You're like, I don't even want you to make fun of it. Like, I don't even think it's funny. Like, I just want it out of my sight. It's kind of like when people don't like, like, the president. And then people make fun of the president, and they're like, no, don't even make fun of him. Like, I just do not want to see him. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Like, you're just like, <laughs> pretentious indie kid. It's just like, bro, it's not even funny when you make fun of it. Just get it out of there. I do not want it. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I actually, kind of get that. I, th- I think it takes away from the instrumental. Like, it actually, like, distracts me from it. And I really love the instrumentals in this, and the music is great and all. It's just, man, the singer, he's just taking away from it, man. I disagree. His performance is really melodramatic and performative, and it adds to the tension and the sinister kind of theme and overtone of a lot of these instrumentals. It's almost like this indie kid supervillain origin story. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I I totally see what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of irony, but there's still a lot of truth to what he's talking about and singing Mm -hmm. about. I appreciate that he can poke fun at himself. At least from what I can gather in the lyrics, I think he kind of identifies with a lot of the issues that this kid is experiencing. And he's self-aware enough to add a layer of comedy or irony to it. Overall, like, the guitar work is very solid. Oh, yeah. The the riff on this mm. is very, very infectious. Like, yes. I, I can recall just about every guitar riff on this album. I just wish this had been a instrumental album. Well, that's your preference, buddy. Yep. <laughs> I believe it would have been just as good, if not better, as just instrumental. That I don't know about spicy. that. See, that is a spizzy take. I don't um, know about that. I actually the build up <laughs> would be the build ups would be pretty boring without him. Sunglasses would be almost unbearable without him. So would Science Fair. Science Fair is a bad well, song without him. Well, on those songs, I, I, what? What? I think I think no, Science Fair. Science yeah. Fair is like the best song on this album. What Sun- are you sunglasses about? would be a bo- that freaking that buildup is so long. Without him, it would just I would just tune out. That's true. Mm. That's true. Yeah, there there are some songs where it requires something else. Bad I, take, James. I think pass yeah, on that take. No, pass. no, I think <laughs> no, I think they could have done something better. What What would you have preferred? Would you have preferred like? Like a King Crimson approach, yeah, or put a like, sing, put a like, singer on a, this album. Put a singer on re- that replaces him. Who would you, who would it be? Who would it be? Yeah, I can't say like a specific singer. You could give me no, no, <laughs> seriously, give me who do you think I'll would wait, work best on this? I'll give you one. Florence from Florence and the Machine would have worked great. Oddly, it's like a weird opposite juxtaposition, but I think her like haunting vocals would give this like almost even a creepier quality. I actually just listened to the new Florence album. It's not bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's Batman actually not bad. Good. We might talk about it. I don't know. Give us a singer. Yeah, James. come on, James. <laughs> gonna be a we, are, we are putting you on the spot. <laughs> I I can't think of a specific singer because I mm. a lot of the singers that I am familiar with would not work with this sound. Maybe maybe Florence would work, but I haven't heard her. So it was work. Adrian Ballou. I see a lot of similarities in the deliver, not as much the lyrics, but the delivery as I see in like his whole um, thing with indiscipline. He's like, I really want to touch it. I think about it all day, you know, and stuff like that. And then like, I did. And then when it goes crazy, I see a lot of. Yeah, yeah, similarities in their performance. There's definitely some influence from King Crimson and other like Matthew prog bands mm-hmm. of the time. They even directly reference Slint. I haven't brought this up yet, but I think Athens, France is very similar to Breadcrumb Trail by Slint. It's a little different in terms of its structure. Like the Breadcrumb Trail song is more like a roller coaster. Like, you know, you start building up, you start building up, you start building up, you start building up, and then you crash all the way down and then you build up and build up and build up and build up again. This is a little bit more like little This is more of like a steady slope. The delivery styles are kind of similar. You know, they're both doing this like spoken word, dissociative, anxiety-driven like musings and monologues. That makes sense, I suppose. James is (laughs) drinking a giant glass of Haterade. (laughs) Yes, I am. I I understand <laughs> I understand your hangups with this album mm. and I knew you weren't gonna like the singer. I even told him that. I was like Yeah, you did I remember you saying the singer's an acquired taste. <laughs> and I understand somebody who doesn't like the singer, but I think he complements the instrumentals of this album very well. Listeners, I actually got over my haterade because I started drinking haterade. Because I thought we were doing Ants and not the first album. So I listened to <laughs> like a little over half of Ants. And I just told Mac, I was like, this is garbage. This album is a four at best. I don't, do not like Concord. I do not like Bread Song. It is so boring, derivative crap that sounds like Arcade Fire covers. And he was like, dude, that's like not even the right album. And I was like. Um, okay. <laughs> oh damn. Okay. No, like and I was I, in that album, I was like, oh that's gonna it's gonna suck big Balzinski's and I was listening to it, I was like, no, this is at least a seven. I listened to it again and again and I was like, it's actually really good. I I listened to this album seven times. I couldn't get past it, man. <sighs> I love the instrumental, I love the music. They do a great job. I just wish this had been an instrumental album. You can't win them all, Mac. You can't win them all. I know, yep. I know, but I, I thoroughly disagree with you, and I've already explained myself. Yes. That being said, Athens, France has a beautiful outro, but then we get into Science Fair. Now, personally, this is my favorite track on the album. The tension on this track is so thick. Very palpable. You can grab it. It's mm. palpable. There's this like continuous like driving drum beat that stays consistent throughout the song. Yeah. You know, that really like quiet one. It just sits there and it's always in the background in the back of your head, like when you're mm-hmm. listening to it. It comes forward a bit at different points in the song with dynamics increase. Yeah. The song begins with this really angular, distorted guitar melody. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Anxiety inducing. And not only to mention, like each of the vocal passages is actually introduced by these like creeping horns. That become increasingly intense as the track continues and the verses move on. A lot of very similar instrumentation with the horns that I see um, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead kind of make, where like the horns will like swell and be kind of creepy. Very sinister. Yeah, very. And on top of that, Isaac's delivery—it's very shaky. 
this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier about like the supervillain origin story. To me, the song is like the moment that the narrator snapped and became the supervillain. Like it describes two different traumatic incidents for the narrator. First being he was at the science fair and he accidentally set a girl's hair on fire with methane gas. He, he feels it's so embarrassing. And uh, it, it's like this Joker origin story, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's it's just this like he's making a mistake he's fucking up and and it's just like broken him it's like stuck <laughs> with him and then the second verse is like a similar story but this time he's at this circus he mistakenly believes this beautiful circus performer is like looking directly at him only to realize that he's not that special and while he was staring at her that he spilled coke on his shirt oh, my best white shirt <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, what he describes that part. A lot of these are just so, like, ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's it, kind of the point, though. It's yeah. like super over the top. It honestly yeah. feels like, is it the perfect prelude to sunglasses? Exactly. Because this just kind of dawned on me that his confidence is so razor thin that something as simple as spilling Coke on his shirt and just realizing that, oh, yeah, that girl's not looking at me just makes him feel like such a loser. It, dude, exactly. His confidence is so razor thin. Like, yeah. it just takes these little things to just crumble it like a house of cards. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. Like, there's a lot of uh, cinematic quality, and it's kind of displayed here. And it's it's just so funny to me because, in reality, these incidents, they aren't that serious in the grand scheme of things. Like, oh, I spilled cola on my shirt at the circus. Ah. Uh. But I'll say any girl's hair on fire would be pretty traumatic at a young yeah, age. Yeah, but at a young but, age, yeah. But to yeah. the narrator, this is his reality. This is his world, and this is the things that have plagued his mind and shaken him to his core. First world problems. And you get it from this track. Isn't it funny that this narrator has a more emotional, like encouraging like delivery talking about his first world problems than like Kendrick does with his <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I don't think these guys are taking themselves as seriously. Oh no! I mean, there there is a there is a level of seriousness and like lessons and themes to be learned here, but they're being very self aware. Like it feels so sinister and angry and intense, and it just keeps building as the instruments all become more like manic and off kilter, and it builds and builds and builds and finally explodes as the the narrator is screaming out these vocals. And it just makes for an amazing payoff. I remember the first time I heard this song, I physically felt it when I was listening. And I had to say it's more tangles, didn't you, mate? Like, I was really tense in my chest when I was listening to this song. I don't get any physical reactions from music unless I get, sometimes I'll get those, like, chills down my back at some parts. Mm -hmm. I'll get goosebumps and stuff sometimes. (laughs) Deadpan. Two things that I I do (laughs) that give me goosebumps almost every time it comes on are... The crazy, screechy guitar solo from Sunburn by Muse and certain parts in Lucky by Radiohead. This shit hit They're They're getting the reaction they want. I really like this song. It's not my favorite song on the album. It is my second favorite song on the album. Okay, okay. I think I know what your first is. What is it, mate? Opus. Sunglasses. 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 <laughs> sunglasses. Sunglasses. Science yeah. fair than Opus is my top. Yeah. I, yeah. I do enjoy the songwriting. But uh, sun, speaking of sunglasses... The next track, he's in his rich girlfriend's upper class home. Her mom is juicing watermelons in the Nutribullet. <laughs> you know, setting the stage for this uh, medial upper class living and lifestyle. Uh, his dad's watching 
mediocre theater in the daytime. It's it's all <laughs> it's all very over the top yes. and ridiculous. Sunglasses is really, I think, the centerpiece of this album. It's build up the song. The build up is even more tense than it is in Science Fair. You know, the opening has another like distorted angular guitar that goes on even longer for almost a minute and a half. However, I think that Science Fair is a lot more concise with its build up. Yeah. I feel like Sunglasses build up is a little too long. Probably you could probably shave like thirty seconds off of it. Yeah. Maybe like a minute. But if it were any longer, it would definitely lose a lot of its punch. Yeah. Has a great drum groove though. Yeah, it ha- and it's broken up into two very distinct sections, you know, the narrator's in his house living this menial lifestyle with his rich girlfriend. He he has this realization that he's becoming just like his girlfriend's rich uptight father who only complains about completely inconsequential parts of life and first world problems like where's my malt whiskey like um, a like a spoiled child yeah like a spoiled brat who becomes a spoiled dad you know during the transition of the intro in the first verse there's like this opening riff that uh disappears and introduces a sax melody and when we get into the second part there's like an immediate switch some of the best riffs on this album are in this song oh my gosh mm-hmm. dude Yes. The buildup, it just keeps going. And, you know, all that tension from the first half of the track, it starts to pay off here. The The narrator kind of imagines what he'd be like as this upper middle class knob. And he uses those sunglasses as a facade to, like, protect himself and, and make himself feel confident and build himself up until he eventually starts believing in his own confidence. Fake it till you make it. It's so hilariously absurd. Leave Kanye out, out of this. this. It's just so. (laughs) But it's a great point that you brought up, Garrett, about Science Fair because sunglasses feels like. This is self esteem issues, the album. Yeah, pretty much. But at the end, he he kind of snaps out of it and realizes that that is not what he wants for his life. And that's not who he wants to be. And he wants to escape the trappings of the upper class. Quite a privileged viewpoint. Exactly. It's really really (laughs) ironic because we. We were kind of discussing the same thing on the Mr. Morale album, kind of being in a in a privileged place to do that, to get out of that lifestyle. Preaching from not exactly the most stable of high grounds. I think Isaac is definitely poking fun at himself here. But now we'll be moving on into the penultimate track, Track X. I think it's the weakest track on the album, personally. I'd have to agree. But it's got great it's got a great riff. It's it's, it's not short. a to the point, it's got a great riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad track, but it didn't really like blow me away like a lot of the other tracks did. You'll notice as you're listening to this album that the structure of each song is very similar. It's tension, build up, climax, falling action. Repeat. Yes. There's not <laughs> as much to say about this as the other tracks, but I think it's a nice segue into another of the longer tracks. I think is where the classical instruments just really shine. Like track X and, and instrumental too. But Opus is where the classical instrumentation, the non-rock, like the, the saxophones and the keys, and especially the violin, the violin kills it in Opus. Yes. My favorite instrument in that song, Brazy. It kind of follows the same formula, but it feels final. It has this sense of finality to it. You know, the narrator and his girlfriend you know, leaving this small British town and uh, starting over. I don't even remember the lyrics in Opus. I just get so drawn in. 
by the build up. That's my point. By the instrumentation. This is this one I do agree with James on. Like, I, and for this song in particular, now science fair sunglasses, very clever, very fun. He, Opus. I was just focused all on that instrumentation, and all on the build up, and yeah, all on the, the violin, and and the the build up on this one is a lot more frantic. It's not. It's not like quite like slow burn. Mm-hmm. It's more of oh 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 you know like we're rushing towards the climax you yeah. know like trying to make that final lap around in the race and uh, finishing off the record and I mean, it just has this has this really cinematic quality to it. it. Feels like you're watching the finale of like this grand musical theater experience, and it's really a, a hell of a way to close off the record. A lot of at least a lot of the first time deals in cycles, mm-hmm. and I think that's especially demonstrated on Opus. The final lines of the song and the album are everything we build must fall into flames. Mm, Great lawn. All good things must come to an end. And not only is that for the album itself, but for the band, for nervous conditions, for his past relationships and his mistakes. It's a chance for him to start over and a chance for the band to start over. You know, a lot of the album is characterized by these really repetitive angular and sticky and infectious melodies and riffs and chord progressions that continue to stick in your head and stay there and stay there and keep going and keep going and keep going and building this level of anticipation and tension that is palpable throughout the entire experience. Don't forget the drum grooves and fills. Yeah, the drum grooves and fills. It's all very repetitive, but in a a good way. This Mm. whole album is dripping with anticipation. (laughs) But I do think Great that job, the negatives Garrett. on this album, some of the build-up, especially on Sunglasses, is a little too slow burn. I feel like Sunglasses could shave a little bit of time off. I feel like sometimes the classical instruments, they can get a little bit of that. Maggie, have you heard, do you remember National Anthem by Radiohead? Yeah. You know how it kind of gets, like, where they're playing all like frantic and it just kind of goes all together. It's like a car wreck. It's very manic and explosive yeah. and frantic. Sometimes they kind of get like that. and But then before they do it too much, they bring it back. And I'm glad because I wouldn't like this album nearly as much if there was more of that. Mm-hmm. That's Whereas King Crimson doing stuff like this, kind of jazz-like post-rock stuff, Robert Fripp did that stuff all the time, and I think it sucked. I think it does, like you were saying, a good job of keeping the listener engaged and not losing them at any point. The drummer does a great job at holding everything together. He plays a lot of, yes, a lot of what he's playing is repetitive, but that's the point. It's yeah, exactly. it's consistent. It's a consistent, solid foundation that he's playing. He has great feel, great syncopation. Everything he does on this album is excellent, and I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him. To a point, I I think they took the the whole cycles theme a little too far. I do think the song structures do start to get very repetitive by the end. Not too repetitive. If it were any longer, I feel like it would bring down the experience a little bit. It'd be like, okay, we get it. You know, build up, build up, build up, build up, climax, bye. I feel like they could have shaved some time, like maybe a minute off of Sunglasses and Opus and like just added another song. If it were any longer, I might start to get bored of it. I might start to lose interest because it does have a very repetitive and somewhat predictable structure. But I feel like that is the whole point, and that's kind of like the artistic statement going on here. I really enjoyed the music. The musicians are extraordinarily talented. 
they do a great job of blending together, making a great sound. The drummer, as I said before, lays a great solid foundation. That allows the band to go wild, and, and that's one thing I greatly appreciated about it. I love music like this, you know, by itself. While the songwriting is really interesting, I like the theme, a lot of it is hilarious. It's just the execution didn't grab me. The singer didn't make me want to listen to him, and like Garrett was saying, like he forgot some lyrics, some of the lyrics, or even got to the point where he wasn't really paying attention to it because the music was so much more interesting. And that was that was a lot of my reaction to most of the album. So what would you rate it? I would give it a six. Hater. Hater <laughs> shit. Refilling off, his cup of haterade. Off the podcast. <laughs> This is not off the po- off the key podcast anymore. It's James just off the off podcast. The <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just playing. No. I under I understand your reservations, but I mm. I think the lesson here is it really came down to your preference. Yeah, it really honestly it is totally subjective. That's my preference. Don't let me like dissuade you from enjoying the singer or anything. And this is, goes for a lot of post rock in general, from what I've heard at least. Some of it I do enjoy, but there's a lot of it that I just can't get into. And that's totally fair. I mean, everyone has preferences. I think this album is incredible, personally. I think it's great down to the theming, the structures, the dynamics, the instrumentation, the performances. And I do agree that Isaac Woods, as a singer, is not the best singer in the world. And he is definitely an acquired taste, but I think he complements the band incredibly well and i really appreciate his songwriting so i'm gonna go ahead and give this a nine out of ten and i think it's excellent i think it's worth checking out if you're interested in that kind of thing or just want like a unique snapshot into this like new wave of uk rock i thought about this on the way here there are some songs in here that sounds like it would be playing in the background in that scene with fucking maude lebowski and that fucking giggling weirdo in the big lebowski This this is the music that they would be listening to. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. But anyway, Garrett, what, what are your thoughts? So I'll be the I'll be the moderate between the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I'll give it an eight. Because the idea and the concepts are great. There's always something to find. Not a whole lot of albums do this. But I'm a big fan of when you can just get like listen to stuff like a, a bazillion times in yours. There's always something to find. Yeah. I feel like this album really has that. This has been on repeat for me since I've heard it. Oh, same. The uh, the vocalist isn't quite like a, a killer, but he because one of the natives is that like, opus. I couldn't recall like any of the lyrics, and I've heard it several times. Like I just that's not what I focus on. But Science Fair and Sunglasses and Athens, I think he did a real good job. That level of just irony and like story delivery and like a lot of funny, memorable lines. Um, I really like the classical non-rock instruments. I feel like it's very nice and it's a well, it's welcomed an experimental prog rock and I want to see more of it. That's why I took a big steaming, stinking poo-poo off the second album because I really needed more of that and it was boring to me. Um, but it delivered in this one, the build-ups are incredible. The payoffs are just with great crispy riffs and sinister dark instrumentation. 
a lot of manic, frantic, angry, but also funny and ironic lines, like about sunglasses and about, oh, the, it's black country out there. Like, just fun, just very memorable. A lot of experimental rock, post-rock, and progressive rock doesn't really... The thing that they struggle with the most is memorability. And I believe this album has that. So I will give it an eight. Well said, Garrett. And you too, James, even if I vehemently disagree with your take. <laughs> <laughs> now he's pouring himself another glass of haterade. Yeah. We, refresher. Well, you know, we we can't always agree. It's yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we I I have noticed that uh recently with the past few episodes we have all kind of like been in the same neighborhood. I think this is the first one where we're we were very scattered on this. Pretty one. scattered, <laughs> yeah. pretty divided. You know, I love this project. It was one of my favorite albums of last year. And I I definitely think it's worth checking out if you are looking for a new and not totally groundbreaking, but a new and fresh and interesting rock experience in a time where a lot a lot of people are not paying attention to rock. With that being said, any thoughts, guys? No. Nope. Rock and roll ain't dead. Rock ain't dead. <laughs> but- just like the hell ain't dead. <laughs> it's just covered up with saxophones and violins and preposterous ironic preppy cambridgers thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're very right garrett whole lot of british indie kids that came fresh out of art school looking to make a name for themselves my mom says i want my album (laughs) oh my god dude uh so our friend greg uh he made this hilarious comment about black mini and i think it rings very true with a lot of the uh, current uh, uk bands he told me the first time he saw them live, he knew they went to art school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's an accurate, accurate assessment. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, fantastic album. I, I think it's great. You know, James had his hangups on it, and I'm sure some people will be in the same boat as him, and I understand that, but I, my preference is for Isaac Woods as a vocalist. Now, it's a shame that he left after the second studio album spoilers and i did want to talk about ants from up there that one is going to be very highly yeah no, that was one of that's so ants from up there is probably one of the most like critically acclaimed albums of this year who knows i might I'm, like i'm dead serious <laughs> i might like that one and garrett will be the one to hate it i don't think <laughs> no, I wouldn't put no garrett is definitely <laughs> in the minority here according to the discourse but oh, people, I, people think ants is better, and I don't get that at all. I, I disagree with that, actually. I, I think big dumb for the first time is way better. There's a bunch of Arcade Fire fans. I still like Ants, but you were totally before. right. So when you initially made that comment, I was like, I'm ready to burn his house down. It could be that the second half of the album is just like it's so incredibly strong. that it. But the first half, Concord and Bread Song, Concord is like their most popular song oh, right yeah. now on Spotify, and I think it's blame i don't think it goes anywhere doesn't really do anything the instrumentation is lacking all those instruments that i got used to the violin the horns the build is just not they don't go anywhere i'm gonna have to listen to it again but we're gonna talk about it on another episode that's kind of why i wanted to talk about for the first time i didn't expect you to hate it as much as you did but yeah when you when you made that comment initially i was like god fucking damn it so i went and listened to it again a little bit of it anyway and then i went and listened to some arcade fire and i was just like Oh my God, he's right. Oh my God, he's actually right. Yeah. And then I went and like uh, read some interviews they did, and they even mentioned that they were obsessed with Arcade Fire during the recording time of Ants from Up There. I can hear 
the influences that I like, and I can also hear the influences I don't like. And I do not, I am not a fan of Arcade Fire. I'm also Fire. not a fan of Arcade Fire. do not Fire. like their music. It's like when some people, not a lot of people say that they're influenced, but they have that like Death Cab for Cutie sound. I'm like, I know you've been listening to them. I can feel it in my soul. It's like one of those <laughs> things. Well, yeah, but yeah. With that being said, uh, any any uh, final thoughts, guys? No. Nope. All right. Well, this is Off the Key Podcast. I'm your host, Mac. And we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Black man. Okay. Black, black country new roads, more like black mid new mid. <laughs> black mid uh, new album. Bro, let's do a let's listen. here and i just wanted to give a shout out to lacrembo for the intro and outro music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later